Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited-time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited-time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Hello, America. Happy Tuesday. A busy Tuesday it is. Perhaps most important is what's not happening. A tremendous amount of interesting equivocation by the Biden administration in standing up for the protesters in China who are protesting the zero tolerance COVID policy that Xi Jinping has put into place. It is rare to see this level of widespread dissent in China. It is rare for China to make any concessions like it has in the last couple of days. And it's even more rare that an American president wouldn't embrace the freedom wishes of the Chinese people against their communist government. But that's what has happened. A remarkable few days in U.S. history as the White House, the Biden White House, refuses to fully embrace the Chinese freedom fighters, the Chinese freedom protesters. Phil Wegman of the Washington Post asked this of the presidential spokesperson yesterday. What is the president's reaction when he hears protesters in China chant freedom or Xi Jinping step down? That's what, that's what Philip Wegman asked. And then John Kirby, communications director for the White House National Security Council, reported the president's not going to speak for protesters around the world. They're speaking for themselves. Not much of an endorsement. Not much of a equivocal or unequivocal endorsement of uh, the opportunity to get behind the brave Chinese citizens who are trying to get some sense of human dignity and freedom from their government in the face of nonstop lockdowns in their country. Pretty amazing. Kevin McCarthy on the Republican side, clearly trying to get some attention from the conservatives and his things that he promises that the Select Committee on China will look into all of these issues and show the failures of the Biden administration on Chinese issues. But that is what a lot of people I've been talking to in the last few days have been saying, that this is such a remarkable moment where the United States simply failed to embrace freedom-loving citizens around the globe in Beijing earlier in Tehran and during Iranian protests. We got two really great guests for you today. First up is Fred Flights, the former National Security Council Chief of Staff, former CIA analyst, currently at the AFPI, America First Policy Institute. He's going to talk about all the things going on in the world, starting with China and the missed opportunity that the Biden administration has had the last few days to embrace the freedoms, the wishes, the yearnings, the desires for human rights in China. And then we're going to talk to the top legal official in 
Louisiana, who is arguing before the Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in a case that has enormous importance related to the environmental social governance movement, the ESG movement. We talk about it a lot on this show. This is the social cost of carbon. And what's remarkable about the social cost of carbon is that America wants to assign a price of the harm that carbon emissions into the atmosphere or into the environment create, basically create a dollar amount. And there had been one dollar amount used for a long time by the Obama-Biden regime. $51 per metric ton of carbon dioxide was the original social cost of carbon estimate that the interagency working group inside the government, Biden administration, all the way back to the Obama years had been using. And then out of the blue, just before Thanksgiving, the Biden administration, without any explanation, without any announcement, simply quadrupled the cost. I'm not making this up. They suddenly put it at $197 per cubic foot. There's really a remarkable number. And there is a couple of states fighting this social cost of carbon estimate. And one of them is the state of Louisiana. And we are lucky enough today in the second half of this conversation to talk to the Solicitor General in Louisiana, Liz Merrill. She is running for Attorney General. She wants to succeed Jeff Landry. He's running for governor in Louisiana. But she's going to be arguing before the Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals on December 7th, so just about a week from now, against this social carbon cost figure and its use in government things. And and one of the things that's important, you're going to listen to Liz, you'll hear her explain it, these costs are going to be passed on to you and me. When they make a plastic bottle out of petroleum, when they make a car with gas emissions coming out the tailpipe, with all the different things, when farmers have emissions coming out of their tractors or their cows, if they get charged, you're going to get charged. Those passes are going to be on. And so we're going to talk about how the social cost of carbon gets passed down to you and I in America, another form of taxation through the regulatory process, a historic case working its way through the court system right now in the 5th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals next week. Liz Morell, the Louisiana Solicitor General, she's going to talk to us in the second half of the show. Two great guests back-to-back. Let's take a quick commercial break. When we come back, first up, Fred Flights, currently the vice chair of the America First Policy Institute. He's the former chief of staff to the Trump National Security Council. He's going to talk about all things China when we get back from the break. Hey, folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner. Whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite, 
you and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. As we've been discussing some pretty momentous events over the last few days in China, the people of China finally had enough of this zero tolerance COVID policy, and they began to act out in a pretty significant way. We've seen a little bit of concession from the normally rigid communist Chinese government. And to make sense of this all, well, we've got one of the best experts in the entire world, former chief of staff to the National Security Council, longtime CIA analyst, and now the vice chair of the America First Policy Institute Center for American Security, our good friend, Fred Flights. Fred, great to have you back on the show. Hey, John, good to be here. Good to have you make sense of what was going on the last three, four days, a pretty dramatic, though maybe overstated events in China. What's your take on it? You know, it is dramatic and it surprised everybody. We know there's this intense indoctrination of school children. Uh, we know there's uh, incredibly uh, aggressive propaganda, press censorship. Chinese citizens can't get on uh, the Internet outside of China. Um, and uh, if you protest in this country and they arrest you, you're subject to a very harsh prison sentence. So that's why there are local protests sometimes, but there's never anything of this size. Uh, but the, the fact that this is happening is an indication that despite oh, – oh, there's also maybe a billion security cameras <laughs> covering the country. There's a, there's a social credit system where they're going to dock you and, and not let you get passports or various uh, access to things uh, if, you, if you're not a good citizen. Despite all that, we see these protests, and I think it is an indication that despite – their best efforts by the Chinese Communist Party to control society and to restrict people's rights. They still want to be free, that they know they're not free, and that there actually is a line where, despite the threat of what the government will do them if they protest not being free, there is a line that the government can cross, and they crossed it when they uh, locked Chinese citizens into an apartment building and they died because they couldn't get out because the buildings had been wired from the outside. It is just stunning. There's a moment yesterday at the podium at the White House. I think it was the Washington Post reporter asked Kirby, you know, what's the president's reaction when he hears the protesters in China are chanting freedom or Xi Jinping shut down and the Kirby just punts, doesn't answer, can't answer it. I'm not going to speak for protesters. He said, it seems like one of many 
moments in the last year where the administration missed a chance to speak in favor of human rights and free speech and freedom in the world. You were pretty upset. I think you had a pretty fun post on Twitter saying shameful. It was a real missed opportunity, wasn't it? Well, I, I saw a, a, a parody version of that press conference where somebody uh, pasted Z's face <laughs> over the White House spokesman's face as if Z was speaking to the press. This is a moment for presidential leadership. What, what better moment for the United States to speak out on, on, on behalf of freedom, on behalf of people fighting for freedom? Why the Biden administration wouldn't do this? My guess is they're, they're so concerned about the economy and inflation. They're worried about offending uh, the Chinese Communist Party. I think that's why we're also seeking oil from Venezuela. I think why we're trying to get a nuclear deal with Iran. Their priorities are exactly backward. This is a time for presidential leadership. And again, Joe Biden failed. Yeah, and it's a common theme. Iran early on had to be goaded into even supporting the Iranian protesters. It seems as though leadership is from behind in this administration. There have been some interesting moments, though. Movement forward on Huawei and TikTok, maybe now for the first time taking seriously what the Trump administration first highlighted two, three years ago. Some satisfaction knowing that the Democratic regime is starting to catch up to some of the Trump policies. Well, you know, the the Biden administration did something right. Joe Biden signed a bill in November of last year uh, on uh, that required the Federal Federal Trade Commission uh, to make a determination by November of this year on Huawei and and, uh, ZTE. And they voted unanimously to bar Huawei and ZTE equipment from coming to the U.S. Now, the Trump administration had barred uh, companies from buying directly from these these Chinese companies, but did not bar their equipment from coming in the U.S. So they could come in through a middleman. Uh, but this was a, a stunning development because basically China is using this equipment to set up a worldwide surveillance net, especially through 5G networks. And there's no way to find the spyware. There, there, there's no way to find the malware in this equipment. It simply can't be there. And we also know that once that equipment is in the United States, it is being used to gather data on Americans and U.S. businesses that's being handed to the Chinese Communist Party. Yeah. And what do you think is moving the debate? I mean, Biden came in during the 2020 election saying, ah, Donald Trump is overstated, xenophobic, blah, 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 China. But over time, it seems as though the intelligence community has been able to begin to convince him that maybe he was wrong about some of these issues. What's your take about the pressures that have maybe led to some of these more recent comments and and statements and actions? Well, there was pressure. There's businesses who told him not to do this. There's state and local communities that want to buy Huawei equipment uh, for their uh, 5G systems. The reason is it's cheaper because China subsidizes it. Uh, So it took, you know, it took a little bit of backbone, which you rarely see Joe Biden uh, uh, exhibit uh, to make this decision. But I think the intelligence was so overwhelming that uh, even uh, for, for Biden officials who hate to make decisive decisions or alienate any foreign country, they just concluded that they had to do this. And I give them credit for it. The assessments, TikTok is such a fascinating one because Joe Biden came in and said, I'm always going to listen to the intelligence community. The intelligence community has been saying TikTok's bad. But all through the 2022 midterms, Democrats exploited and used TikTok to try to reach young people and voters. So they encourage people and use TikTok. Donald Trump 
in 2020, while you were working there and others, began the process of trying to get TikTok thrown out of the country unless major concessions are made. It's sort of funny that history has caught up. The entire intelligence committee now agrees with the Trump administration's assessment. And it's Joe Biden that's the outlier still trying to use TikTok when he's been warned it's dangerous. Is there a little bit of a not only a hypocrisy issue for Joe Biden, but perhaps a leadership issue and not leading by saying, hey, I'm going to stop using TikTok, even though it's in my political interest, I'm going to set an example for the rest of this country. Yeah, this is a fascinating story because this is a method that the Chinese Communist Party is also gathering a great deal of personal information on Americans. Uh, trade secrets, locations of Americans. They could use it to promote propaganda. They can use it to blackmail people down the road. So why wouldn't Biden and the Democrats want to ban it? Because they don't want to alienate young voters. If for the same reason they've offered these uh, fraudulent efforts to forgive student loans, um, the Biden White House has put votes ahead of U.S. national security. They want to try to find a way to keep TikTok alive with some fraudulent agreement that, well, the data will go through Singapore and we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, they don't want to give this up because too many young people use it and they don't want to be held responsible by young voters if they close it off to the U.S. Politics over security, not what I think our founding fathers intended when they made the president the chief executive. The next couple of months are going to be pretty momentous. There's going to be a change in Congress. Kevin McCarthy has promised a robust oversight mechanism, particularly related to China. There is still the war going on with Russia and Ukraine. Not much sense of where that's going to head other than it's a long slog. What are the most important things that the national security community is going to be watching? What are the, the telltale signs that we should all be watching for over these next few months? Well, I obviously, uh, China is always going to be an enormous threat we have to keep an eye on. We're keeping a close eye on whatever is going on uh, uh, in Iran. Uh, we're keeping an eye on Russia. Uh, Iran support to Russia, North Korea support to Russia, what's going on in Ukraine, and how the Ukraine war is going to, 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 to conclude if it ever does. I think we have to talk about an endgame for the Ukraine war. I think we have to talk about at least getting the two the two sides to talk. I don't want to force Ukraine to accept a peace agreement, but I think there should be negotiations because I believe this level of military aid isn't sustainable for the long term. And uh, I don't want to see us involved in an endless war. I, I suspect there will be an end, an end solution that uh, the Ukrainians aren't going to be happy with. It may be better than what they have now. But to talk about getting back all of Crimea or fighting until the last Russian leaves all Ukrainian territory, that's not going to happen. And I think we have to find a way uh, to get to a place where we get the best deal possible for Ukraine. And, and, I, and also those issues that weapons were provided to Ukraine are depleting our arsenal and depleting us of weapons that we may have to give to Taiwan to either prevent a Chinese invasion or to defend against one. That was one of the big revelations that we were so short of missiles. We had to go to South Korea and other places to get them because we don't have any more in our stockpiles to protect ourselves. A really bright flag. I wanted to end with one thing because you've been on the cutting edge of this. And I think a lot of us have kept our eye off the ball on this. North Korea continues to act out in a really significant way. A lot of concern, but not a lot of discussion in the mainstream media these days. AFPI and you, I think, worked on a North Korea containment strategy what is the key and what should we be watching with North Korea? What's going on? Why are they acting out so badly? And what's the right move for the next six months? Well, North Korea respects strength, and I'm afraid they're moving because they see a weak United States. 
They've now tested more than 75 missiles in 2022, the largest since 2016 when they tested 35. They'll probably soon conduct their seventh underground nuclear test. And the Biden administration has no North Korea policy. It has an envoy to North Korea who's part-time. He's also ambassador to Indonesia. The North Koreans feel that they have been snubbed by the Biden administration, and they have been. Anthony Blinken has never gone to North Korea. He's never shown any interest in meeting with North Koreans, and the North Koreans see that. So it's not just the weakness of this administration. It's an incredibly incompetent policy towards North Korea that I think has caused these threats to accelerate. Yeah. And is there anyone, I mean, you've got in Burns and other people, you've got people that have a lot of worldly experience, a lot of security experience. How do they have such a, a muddled mess of a policy on North Korea? Why, where, where do they go so far off? Well, look, we, Biden is incompetent and doesn't know what day it is. And he has a secretary of state and that security advisor who were third stringers at best. And I've been saying for some time that Biden needs to surround himself. And I don't think Secretary Austin is very good either with men and women with experience and gravitas who know what they're doing, who other nations will respect and will tell the president what he doesn't want to hear. And he doesn't have anyone surrounding him right now. So we have an incompetent president surrounded by incompetent advisors. This is what happens. Yeah, it's a perilous time in American history when you see that assessment and also just see the world acting out the way it is. Fred, it's always an honor to talk to you. You always give us a straight shoot on stuff. And we're watching so many different hotspots in the world. But great honor to have you on the show today. Good to be here. Thanks, John. Thanks, my friend. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, more discussion right after these messages. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote. It's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they've also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale. Four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Just News. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. 
Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, add lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now, get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code JUSTNEWS15. That's the promo code JUSTNEWS15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a healthcare provider. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. We've been talking a lot on this show about the ESG movement, the Environmental Social Governance Movement, and its impact on energy policy, on the cost that you pay for everything from plastics to the gas that you put in your car. Our next guest is on the leading edge of fighting some of the radical policies that have become part of that. She is the very first Solicitor General in the history of Louisiana, and she joins us right now, Elizabeth Merrill. Ma'am, good to have you on the show today. Thanks. It's great to be here. You have been fighting ESG on the front lines in the courts, practicing federalism and getting states' rights asserted. Big hearing coming up in the Fifth Circuit. Tell us a little bit of why this appeals court hearing is so important. Yeah, so that that's the social cost of carbon case that we filed very soon after the president issued an executive order that reinstated this economic metric that purports to measure the damages of carbon, methane, or nitrous oxide in the environment. Um, and, and what that metric does is it purports to measure the social cost of carbon, methane, or nitrous oxide uh, in globally, I guess, as a damage factor uh, over a course of 300 years. Wow. Uh, that's a big measurement. Yeah. When you start thinking about all the assumptions that have to go into Coming up with that number, it's it's kind of mind-blowing. It is. And where did this sort of philosophy come in? There's a philosophy that underlies a lot of these new policies. And I mean, we just saw the president come back from a trip at climate change where he's talking about playing reparations for climate damage from the United States. Where does the philosophy that underlies a lot of these policies, where does it come from? And what is its conflict with the traditional American experience? You know, I think there's, I mean, there's a lot of complex answers to that question, but I mean, I'll, I'll start with a couple of them. I, I think that it, it originates from a motivation to move away from fossil fuels. And so once you start from that fundamental motivation, there are a, a whole lot of groups and organizations with different kind of a different focus, um, not a, I mean, I don't mean a different focus from getting rid of fossil fuels, but each one of them has their own focus. And, but they all collectively have the same objective and they start looking for ways and tools to accomplish that objective. And, and this is one of the tools that they've come up with that would help them accomplish that. It's a, it's a made up number that purports to measure the global harm that is created by a single metric ton of carbon being added to the environment. But once they come up with this number, then they start applying it to everything. And because we breathe carbon dioxide out, um, cows emit methane, industrial processes and fertilizer and concrete and all of these things emit these other greenhouse gases. So you start applying it across the board to everything. And now you can control the, reg the entire regulatory environment, 
by trying to impose these social costs and say, well, every time you take X action, it causes this damage globally to the environment and destroys the planet. So it's a weapon. I mean, the short answer is they've come up with ways to try and, you know, create weapons to attack fossil fuels and the industry. And this is one of those weapons. And you talk about it being such a discretionary, fungible number that just sort of kind of pulled out of air. Amazing thing happened just before we celebrated Thanksgiving dinner. The EPA kind of quietly did this, but they had a social cost of carbon emission estimate that had been in the Biden plan from the very beginning. I think it was $51 per metric ton of CO2. And all of a sudden, just before Christmas, out of the blue, like hocus pocus, EPA changed that number to $190 per metric ton of carbon. Any science behind that change? How did that get quadrupled? Well, the environmental economists have been pressuring uh, the, the internal working group, which comes up with these numbers. Um, and, and I'll back up a little bit. We talked about where this originated. In the United States, all of this kind of originated from a decision that involved a rulemaking that involved light-duty trucks. And, and that decision was in 2008. It was a single decision that, originate, that involved a single rule. But it morphed into something different when President Obama created this internal working group on the social cost of carbon and put almost the head of almost every federal agency into the working group. The working group didn't come up with these numbers on their own. Um, it, it looked to other climate scientists who might be trying, and economists who might be trying to make up tools to measure the social cost of carbon, and it came up with this um, through the work of other people. And so then it started implementing the numbers then. President Trump dramatically narrowed it, said we're only going to look at the effect in the United States because we think that's what's actually consistent with federal regulations um, and federal law. And we're going to bring the numbers down and use a smaller uh, discount rate um, and actually a larger, more commonly used discount rate. And so when Biden came in, he adopted an executive order that upended all of that. He reinstituted the Obama numbers updated for inflation. He expanded it to global. He applied it against methane and nitrous oxide, and he expanded it dramatically to apply to all decision-making across the federal government, not just rulemaking. Um, when you think about this, I think in terms of, of numbers, I mean, we're talking about under current emissions, $9.5 trillion in alleged damages. Um, and so, you know, you pointed out that they were talking about reparations. That's the number that they're going to use as a basis for reparations. It's the current emissions measured against the social cost of carbon, methane, and nitrous oxide, which amounts to $9.5 trillion every year. So who we're going to pay that to, I don't really know. But the baseline cost will be set by this, right? And I don't really know. I mean, we don't know. The government denied they were using these numbers in any material way when we were in court, uh, in federal court, talking to a district court judge. And then when he didn't believe them, after we showed that they were, in fact, using the numbers across a bunch of different agencies, and he found that we had standing to challenge them, um, they then went to the Fifth Circuit and said, we must have a stay on this injunction because it's going to basically stop the, rules, the, the wheels of the federal government from turning. And, and we responded to that saying, you know, both those things can't be true. You can't tell a federal judge that you're not using them and they have no material impact on anything 
and then turn around and say the wheels of the federal government stop turning if we can't use these numbers. And I, I think that's part of the fight we're going to have next in, in, in oral argument is whether they concede that we actually do have an impact, that these numbers do have an impact and that they are relevant and they are material because they've already said so. Yeah, that's the important thing, right? The question here is, can you show damage or impact effect from the hypothetical exercise creating these cost estimates? Tell us a little bit about how you reach that threshold of showing impact or damage from the policy. Well, I don't want to oversimplify things, and I'm at the risk of, you know, a worry that maybe we do, but it seems like the answer to that is simple. I mean, because their position, the federal government's position is that we have to go out and monitor every single application of these numbers, and that they actually have perfect knowledge of that because they're the ones applying them. So... It, it seems kind of backwards to me when we've illustrated that they are, in fact, using them. They have conceded now to the Fifth Circuit that they are, in fact, using them. But their answer is that we have to play a game of whack-a-mole and we've got to go out and challenge them in every use of the numbers. That that's our only redress to challenge. Now, our view of this is you just conceded you're using them across the entire federal government. That has a cost to us. A regulatory cost of having to monitor everything you're doing to go figure out how to challenge what you're doing in every rulemaking that you pass where you implement these numbers, when in fact our position is that we ought to be able to challenge the whole apex decision of whether to use them in the first place. You know, the order was go out and use these in all your decision making. I think that's a legislative rule that that we should be able to challenge all by itself. And they're saying, no, you have to challenge it every time we actually use it. I'm like, well, that's not really what the APA says. The APA says that if it's a legislative rule, then it's subject to the APA and it's got to go through notice and comment. The problem is there is no agency that's actually assigned to do this. That's it, right? It's all spread out across the government, right? That's right. And, and then there's also no statute that actually authorizes them to do this. So they've got two pro- gaps in authority, and they're trying to skate around both of them and avoid having to actually answer that huge problem. I mean, and when you think about the transformative nature of what they're trying, of what these numbers are, and if, and and now, the, I mean, those numbers I gave you, the $9.5 trillion, that was based on the old Obama numbers, not on these new ones that they've just come out with. Which are quadruple. They're quadruple. So you just quadruple that $9.5 trillion, and now you see what kind of weapon they have, because it's a justification for regulating. That's what it ultimately is. It's saying, well, I mean, who could argue with that? All these trillions of dollars in damage are a justification for anything they want to do. It's really kind of frightening. I mean, it's not kind of, it's very frightening. One of the things that you and the Attorney General Landry has done so well in all of these cases is to show that these regulations actually end up passing costs down to the everyday consumer. So if these get put into place, everything from the natural gas to plastic products that are made from petroleum, all are going to get impacted. These regulations aren't without cost to the everyday Americans. Isn't that true? Absolutely true. I mean, if you think about the fact that 
they would impose this damage factor, let's say farmers, because it applies to fertilizer. Fertilizer emits nitrous oxide. So um, fertilizer is a big contributor. I mean, it's we, every family farmer now is going to have to pay more to obtain fertilizer to fertilize crops that feed us. Well, what's that going to do to the price of food? If you're industrial, if you have plastic products and anything that's touched by petroleum, it's going to increase the cost of producing those goods. And that's all going to be passed on to the consumer. And we've already felt that. I mean, I think that's what people are seeing right now with some of the Biden administration's energy policies is we are starting to see that effect when we go to the grocery store. We pay on average, I think right now, $7,000 more a year than we did two years ago. That's remarkable. You are the leading edge with the Attorney General, the leading edge of this move for federalism, kind of a revival of federalism, asserting states' rights. You played a big role, I think, in arguing the case before the Supreme Court on some of the vaccine mandates. There's an interesting moment right now where the concept that our founding fathers gave us 246 plus years ago, states' rights, has really become assertive in the courts and having a real impact. What is it like to be on the front edge of that movement? I, you know, I think it's really exciting. It's the most, it's one of the most rewarding parts of my job um, is that I get to defend the states and, 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 and ultimately our citizens' ability to participate in the democratic process. And the more you centralize power in the federal government, the more you totally change what the founders envisioned our structure of this republic to be. They did not envision a structure that was a, this, this federal conglomerate that controls our every action and sits on the sofa with you at home every day. What they envisioned were states where people were could engage in this self-governance. Like at the heart of this whole endeavor is the idea that we have the capacity to govern ourselves and we need to empower people to engage and govern themselves. And that's what the commitment is that keeps the whole thing going is, is our ownership and our engagement with our own self-governance and, and feeling like we have some input in the rules that apply to us every day. But we lose that when it's concentrated in Washington, D.C., and it is so separate from us. So it's really exciting, I think, and it's a very, very rewarding part of my job. And it's kind of fun in watching some of the cases that you and the Attorney General have brought. The government's argument is, well, we don't really want the American people to have a say. Like, for instance, in the case you're currently litigating on the social cost of carbon, no, we don't want you to be able to challenge the concept. You'll have to fight it every time we implement it. There seems to be a natural mindset of the large central government in Washington to tell everyday Americans, yeah, we don't really want you challenges. We know better than you. That's a, it's an interesting mindset to see keep playing out in the government filings, isn't it? You know, it really is. And I, I, you know, I saw this evolving many years ago with um, Common Core, fights over Common Core, where you saw the federal government in the education context or people, different people in D.C. sort of starting to say out loud. And now they're saying things that, you know, I think a lot of people never thought they'd say out loud, but but that parents really shouldn't be in charge of their children's education, that they don't have the capacity to determine what the content of that should be. I mean, we see that playing out in so many different ways now. And I think it really is offensive to people and, and that it offends their sense of family 
and their view of their role in their own communities that Washington, D.C. needs to tell us what our family values need to be. They are attacking faith. They are attacking family. And ultimately, they are driving toward central control at the federal level. So, uh, you know, I do think that it is important to tease out these issues and communicate them in our community so that they understand that we aren't just doing, we aren't just bringing these lawsuits for fun. We're bringing them to make sure that we protect democracy and the republic. Yeah, and free speech right up there. I know you're fighting some important ones right now on that, on that front right now. Last question. Obviously, you've been working as the Solicitor General for six years. Your boss is going to move on to run for governor. You're moving in to run for Attorney General. Tell us a little bit about your campaign. Yeah, so I've been on the campaign trail for about a year. Um, uh, Jeff Landry, our Attorney General, finally, uh, he did announce in, a couple months ago that he plans to run for governor. I've been preparing, anticipating that he would likely do that. And um, we are now less than a year out from a primary. And Louisiana has open primaries, so we don't we don't have closed political party primaries. We just have an open open primary. And um, so I'm going to be, you know, on the campaign trail. I'm also continuing to manage all of the lawsuits that we have against the Biden administration and um, and to defend the constitutionality of our state laws. So. Um, it's a lot to manage, but it's kind of hard to walk away um, from any of it. And that's why I'm running for attorney general, because I think what we're doing is very important. Uh, there's no doubt. And you can see that record building in the court cases right now. The victories that you guys have won are really important and I think really in line of what the founding fathers imagined when they invented the entire system of federalism. Uh, Liz, what a great honor to have you on the show today. We're going to be watching real closely December 7th, I believe, is the date of those arguments, right? Yes. All right. Well, we're going to have all eyes at Just the News watching that. Thanks for spending some time helping uh, getting us up to speed on these really important issues. Anytime. All right. Folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. All right, folks, thanks for tuning in today. A very special conversation. I really enjoyed my time with Fred Flights. I think his sense of the Biden White House leading from behind, not having the sort of leadership to surround an older president whose faculties and skills may be declining a little bit, has really put his finger on what I think the world sees of the United States government right now. The failure to just embrace common sense freedom in China 
head scratching to even Democrats I've talked to in the last couple of days. Yet it's played out exactly that way here in Washington. And then, of course, when you don't think that some esoteric sounding thing like the social price of carbon matters to you, well, as Liz Merrill kindly reminded us, it has a huge impact on our bottom line. Because when regulations like that are put into effect, when a price is put on carbon, whether it's $51 or $197, you and I start to pay a heck of a lot more money downstream because those regulatory costs are passed down through the farmers, through the plastic manufacturers, through the car manufacturers, through the gasoline and oil companies to you and I, Joe Citizen. Joe and Jill Citizen. We ultimately pay the price for these regulations. And you're understanding now why a obscure sounding case in the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals in the center of this country actually matters to you and me. Thanks to Liz Bureau, you get a better sense of why that is. Two great interviews today. I'm really excited about that. Now, we've got a lot of exciting things going on over the next couple of weeks, but one of the most important is to keep an eye on the economy. The economy is putting some really significant signs of warning, whether it's recession, increasing inflation. I think the Fed said inflation is going to be around at least through 2024, so much for that transient nature of inflation that we were falsely promised by the Biden administration early on. But you and I need to do something to protect our investments, particularly our retirement investments, which a lot of people have seen shrunk 20, 30% over the last several months. The market keeps going down and with it, your 401ks and your IRAs. So if you want to protect your 401k and IRAs, one of the best ways is to reach out to my good friends at Birch Gold Group. They have been a gracious sponsor and partner with Just the News and John Solomon Reports and Just the News No Noise since really the beginning of our great journey together. And they have one of the most important programs to allow you to convert your qualified 401k and IRAs into a gold and silver-based precious metals IRA. That's right. It's tax sheltered, but you get the hedge and the benefit of hedging your investments against gold and silver, which hold their value so well in a period like we find ourselves in now. Now, how are you going to do that? All you have to do is text the word just news to 989898. That's right. Just news to 989898. And Birch Gold will send you a free info kit on protecting your savings with gold in that tax sheltered retirement account. These are great people with almost 20 years of experience converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metal IRAs. This book, this kit is so amazing. I learned so much from it, really re, uh, refashioned my entire thinking about what I would do for my own investment portfolio. And I think if you get involved, you get them to send you this, you are going to rethink your investment portfolio as well. Why? Well, Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of satisfied customers. All you got to do is check out this no-obligation information kit on how you can incorporate gold and silver into your retirement investment strategies. All you got to do is text the word just news to 989898. One more time, text the word just news to 989898 and secure your future with my good friends at Birch Gold. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Report. So excited you could join us today. Big thank you to Fred Flights for a pretty strong flyover of the world today. North Korea, China, Iran, Russia, Ukraine. We covered it all in a real short period of time. Always excited to do that. And a big thank you to Liz Mural, who is the Louisiana Solicitor General. She came on to talk about that very important case in the Fifth Circuit 
U.S. Court of Appeals, something that the social cost of carbon, you may not be thinking about it, but it's going to be passed on to you. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition. We'll be back tomorrow. Have a great night. God bless you. It's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, experts, politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe.